In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask you for pardon of my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Well, in the middle of September, we celebrate two very beautiful feasts, very powerful feasts, that lead us into prayer. And above all, lead us to contemplate the immensity of our God's of our Lord's love for us. And I'm referring to the uh, feast of the Triumph of the Holy Cross on the 14th of September, and then the following day, the feast of Our Lady of Sorrows, uh, the 15th. The Triumph of the Cross. It seems like a bit of a contradiction, doesn't it? The cross, the ignominy of our Lord's crucifixion the apparent utter failure of our Lord's mission, uh, the end of it all in such barbarous aggression, such hatred, such sorrow. And yet we Christians celebrate it as a triumph. Um, very often we see the cross perhaps at Mass. If there's a solemn procession at the start of the Mass, the cross is carried in triumph, a beautiful processional cross. There's a great, you could say, tradition in, in church art of processional crosses going back the centuries to the beginning of the church. Jewel-studded crosses, golden crosses, silver crosses. Or perhaps we wear an elegant cross around our neck uh, as a decoration as much as, as something um, for our prayerfulness. The cross, often we see it in, in that kind of triumphant, elegant way. An elegant crucifix, a beautiful work of art. And yet, what is happening there? What happens on Good Friday, what happens on Golgotha is unspeakable. Uh, a grandmother mentioned recently about bringing her little granddaughter with her to visit the church one day to pay a visit to the Blessed Sacrament. And the little girl, who was very small, maybe only two or three years of age, very small, um, I suppose with the candidness and with the shock, if you like, of somebody who registers the crucifix for the first time, the little child looked up at the big crucifix over the tabernacle in the parish church and, and said to her grandmother in a, in a very shocked voice, Granny, who did that to Jesus? Who did that to Jesus? Uh, sometimes perhaps we get used to the cross. It doesn't elicit um, that much from us, maybe. And these feasts, therefore, uh, of the triumph of the cross and of Our Lady of Sorrows are a great opportunity for us to deepen once more in the wisdom of the cross and to ask the Holy Spirit to um, to open our souls to this profound wisdom which is expressed in, 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 in that phrase the triumph of the cross so we could open our meditation by, by appealing to Our Lady to our, our Lady under the title of Mother of Sorrows and there is that beautiful hymn to Our Lady of Sorrows called the Stabat Mater the mother who stood 
Stabat, at the foot of the cross, that liturgical hymn. And uh, within it, there is that petition to Our Lady that we could make our own now, if, if we so wish. Holy Mother, pierce me through. In my heart, each wound renew of my Saviour crucified. Holy Mother, pierce me through. In my heart, each wound renew of my Saviour crucified. It's not that we're asking to be wounded in an agonizing way, but rather through the intercession of Our Lady who stood at the foot of the cross and who shared in her son's passion in a way unlike any other person in a most special way, we're asking Mary, um, the mother of Jesus and our mother, to help us to share somewhat in God's compassion, to realize in ourselves the compassion of Christ. In my heart, each wound renew of my Saviour crucified. Because, uh, well, as scripture says, by his wounds, we have been healed. So it does us a tremendous amount of good to realize what that means, you know, how great our Lord's love is for us. And there's nobody who is more aware um, of that love and of the triumph of our Lord's love on the cross than his mother. St. Maria at times used to repeat a little prayer in Latin, Pax in cruce, Gaudium in cruce, requies in cruce, peace in the cross, joy in the cross, rest in the cross. And again, it might seem like a contradiction. How could anyone rest in such a horrible form of execution? But we know that, Lord Jesus, through your love, through your compassion, you emptied the cross of all its terror and made it the bridge to eternal life. Your cross ceased to be the place of pain and became the throne from which you reign over human hearts and human history and the whole world and from which you dispense your love unceasingly, your grace flowing from the cross, the blood and the water that flows from the pierced side of Jesus on the cross is the lifeblood, you might say, of the world. The blood and the water is the life of the church, those great rivers of life which are the sacraments. The water, which symbolizes baptism and purification in general, the purification also that comes from the sacrament of penance, of anointing. And the blood, of course, symbolizes the sacrament of all sacraments, the Holy Eucharist. It's more actually than a symbolic uh, depiction of the sacraments. The sacraments actually do flow from the broken body of Christ, from the risen body of Christ. And, and it's from that compassionate love, that victorious love of Jesus, that we can speak of the triumph of the cross. So maybe now you and I, in our prayer, can think, well, where's the cross in my life? And, and maybe there's something that's weighing on you a little bit more at the moment, that's just a little bit harder to take. And maybe we can say, well, look, Lord, I embrace that cross um, and I want to make it a cross in union with your cross, a sharing in your cross out of compassion for the salvation of the world, for all women and men. I'd like to offer whatever I have to offer and so that it may be a triumph of love in the service of my brothers and sisters.
it's always good for us to, to meditate slowly and uh, lovingly on the passion of our Lord. And of course, St. John's account in his gospel is very rich and very special because on the one hand, St. John um, is in the company of Mary and the company of, of our Blessed Lady during the whole Passion. But also St. John is a privileged eyewitness because of all the apostles, he's the only one who doesn't run away from the cross. He's there. He lives the Passion much more closely with Christ and the other apostles and because he loves our Lord very much and he has more fortitude when it comes to the time of crisis. And uh, John's description of the Passion from the 19th chapter of his Gospel. They took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. So let's just focus on that. They took Jesus. They take you, Lord, as if you were a thing, you know, an animate thing. They, they just take you. They think they can take you and do what they like with you. So you're taken, Lord, and you let yourself be taken. It's a free offering of love. It is a compassionate offering. Um, and you go out bearing your own cross, carrying your own cross. What's that like? Maybe it's good for us here in our prayer to contemplate how the Lord Jesus receives the cross. What's his attitude? What's his demeanor? And even more important, what's what's the inner uh, disposition of our Lord's soul as the cross is laid on his shoulders? He embraces that cross for love of us. He kisses that cross, you might say, for love of us. And then you go out carrying your own cross to the place of execution. And again, the way of the cross, which is always a good devotion to do, um, and is uh, a time-honoured Catholic uh, devotion, um, is trying to accompany Jesus as he carries his cross. What was it like? What is it like now to accompany Jesus as he carries the cross of our sins? By his wounds, we have been healed. Our Lord, who uh, struggles really to breathe, he's been awake all night, he has been tortured, he has been scourged, he has been spat upon and beaten, insulted, and apart from all these very great physical sufferings, there's the moral suffering, the psychological and emotional suffering of, of having been abandoned, abandoned by, um, by almost all of those who should have been close to him. And our Lord feels all that. Our Lord has a human heart, a loving heart, a sensitive heart. He is exhausted. He is struggling to breathe as he carries that heavy weight through the cobbled streets of Jerusalem. Our Lord is uh, gasping for breath. He's in extreme pain. He's very dehydrated. His limbs are trembling. And around him is the deafening uh, din of the crowd, the anonymous mob, who hurl all their general frustrations at this poor, at this poor man. What is happening here, and in what sense can we see a triumph in all of this? Well, Lord, in this great mystery of your passion, we are seeing how the Creator is saving His creatures. He has not abandoned us to sin and death um, 
and our pains and even our own death, which will come for each one of us at some stage, can be redeemed and is redeemed by this one saving death. Lord, there's a triumph in your cross. In fact, it is the supreme triumph because you have emptied yourself taking on the form of a slave. As St. Paul says to the Philippians, you've emptied yourself out to the extent of sharing in our death, in our suffering. And this, I suppose, is the key to the triumph of the cross, that it's the compassion of God. Like, why does God become man? If not to share with true solidarity in all that we suffer in our lives, and especially that supreme trauma, which is death. Um, also, our other sufferings, the pains, physical or moral or psychological, that we all experience at different moments in our lives, God is not alien to them. No, he carries the full load of them to such an extent that before dying on the cross, uh, Jesus says, consummatum est, it is accomplished. What has been accomplished? Well, all the pains, all the sufferings, all the disappointments, all the failures of your life and of mine and of the history of humanity, no less, all of that has been taken on by the God made flesh, turned around, somehow um, made beautiful and redeemed, saved, and made part of his glorious resurrection. So sometimes when people are suffering, in a very understandable way, they say, or or we might say, well, where is God in all of this? Where is God? I thought you were a loving God. In moments like that, I suppose more than any reasoning, perhaps the most helpful thing for us to do is to silently look at the crucifix and don't take our gaze away from the crucifix to silently silently look at the crucifix where is god in my suffering look at the crucifix what's the meaning of my pain or of my disappointment or of my being let down in such a profound way look at the crucifix let him speak to us let his compassion cover our wounds St. Bernard of Clairvaux says, Impassibilis est Deus, sed non incompassibilis. It's a wonderful statement. God cannot suffer, but he can suffer with. God cannot suffer, but he can suffer with. Perhaps another translation could be, God cannot suffer but he can be compassionate. He can suffer with others. This is amazing. You know, God is all perfect. He's all self-sufficient. He's all powerful. So how can he suffer? Well, God in his infinite love chooses to suffer with you and with me. And that's why the cross is a triumph. Because the divinity of Christ redeems the suffering of all uh, humanity. Because he is God is truly compassionate. God is not distant from or alien to our sufferings. On the contrary. Joseph Ratzinger, um, in a work on Our Lady, he, um, he meditates on this whole uh, idea of the compassion of God, as spoken of by St. Bernard. 
and uh, Ratzinger writes, There is an intimate passion in God, indeed, that even constitutes his true essence, love. And because he loves, suffering in the form of compassion is not foreign to him. In this connection, Origen writes, In his love for man, the impassable one suffered merciful compassion. Quoting there from Origen, uh, Joseph Ratzinger uh, quotes Origen saying, In his love for man, the one who cannot suffer, the impassable one, suffered merciful compassion. Lord, you choose to suffer with us and for us. How wonderful is your love. How you turn everything around. Our personal sins are forgiven. Our wounds are healed. There is meaning to any and every suffering we might have through your merciful compassion. This is the triumph of the cross. This is the triumph of the cross. St. Josemaria, at times when he was blessing a crucifix, you know, a little pocket crucifix, somebody might give them a crucifix to bless. Apparently, very often, the founder of the work would take that crucifix in his hands and, uh, and bless it, and then kiss each one of our Lord's wounds on the crucifix. And of course, that makes total sense, because our Lord's wounds are the greatest declaration of God's love for us. So we ask Our Lady, Holy Mother, pierce me through, in my heart each wound renew of my Saviour crucified. Mother, help me to realise what's going on here. Help me to realise what the essence of the triumph of the cross here, uh, sorry, of the triumph of the cross actually is. And it's nothing other than our Lord's immense love for us. We could spend our whole lives um, meditating on how much our Lord loves us, and we'd never actually exhaust it. But it's good for us to meditate on it. Have the crucifix before your eyes as you pray, even with the crucifix on the wall or on your desk or on the screensaver of your phone, or have the crucifix, maybe um, a physical crucifix on your desk or whatever, or just imagine it in your mind. So often it helps us to pray just by looking at the crucifix and being looked upon by our Lord who loves us so much. Lord Jesus, you are the good shepherd the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Uh, a good shepherd, we might say, in our terms, would be someone who loses sleep for the sheep, who looks after the herd, who will run through water or cold weather or hot weather or climb a mountain to, to, you know, to, to get their sheep back who are straying. But the good shepherd dies for his sheep we might say this is disproportionate this is too much but that's the compassion of god lord jesus you are the good samaritan who takes the trouble to pick me up when i'm lying broken by the side of the road you pay for me you come back the following day and check up on me you love me and heal me often when we when we meditate on the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan, naturally we, we reflect on our duty to be charitable towards others and Christian charity. That makes sense. However, uh, the Good Samaritan par excellence and in the first place is you, 
Lord Jesus Christ, you who by your wounds have healed us. Lord Jesus, you are the merchant who goes in search of fine pearls. And when you find a pearl hidden in a field, you do everything and sell everything in order to buy that field and possess that pearl. It might seem pretentious to say it, but it's not. You and I are that pearl which the Lord gives everything to possess, to love, to cherish. You, Lord, are that merchant who cares for me that much. We could think of the words of St. Paul in the letter to the Galatians. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. At times, the uh, the prelate of Opus Dei, the current prelate, Monsignor Fernando Ocarith, has encouraged us to ask the question, you know, who is Jesus for me? It's a good question to ask, he says. But he added, but maybe more important in the first place is to say, who am I for Jesus? Who am I for Jesus? Um, and the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross is a good time to ask that question. Who am I for Jesus? We ask Our Lady to give us a deep realisation of our Lord's love for us. A deeper realisation of our Lord's love. Holy Mother, pierce me through. In my heart, each wound renew of my Saviour crucified. Following the eyewitness account of St. John the Apostle, the youngest apostle, um, we find uh, that he is at the foot of the cross with Our Lady and some other holy women. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, says St. John, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother. And that's where we find Our Lady on the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows, because within the liturgy on that day we have that hymn, the Stabat Mater, the mother who stands. And we might think, well, after all Our Lady has been through in the previous number of hours, we mightn't be surprised if she had gone home quietly to grieve or that if she had fainted you know, or if she would be screaming or we might understand all those reactions but no, we, we find her in an attitude of um, accompaniment of sharing in the cross she's standing she's standing by the foot of the cross for as long as her son as it were needs her Our Lady is the one who shares most intimately in the compassion of God she is a companion in our Lord's passion. Only Christ redeems us, of course. But Our Lady shares in a unique way in that passion. She embodies, in a certain sense, Christian compassion. In, in the way St. Josemaria writes in the chapter on Our Lady, he says, The Virgin of Sorrows, when you contemplate her, look into her heart. She is a mother with two sons face to face, he and you. What does St. Josemaria mean by this? You know, when we look into the heart of Our Lady of Sorrows, we find Christ and we find ourselves. What does it mean? I'm not sure, but I suppose Our Lady's sorrow 
is on the one hand for Jesus, for her son, her divine son, and also for you and for me, for our sins, for our weaknesses, for our failures, that Our Lady also suffers for that reason. But her compassion, her sharing in the cross, is also a sharing in the redemption of the world. And she teaches us how to turn our ups and downs, our sufferings, into compassion for others, into love for others. We know that Michelangelo and, and many other artists have immortalized that pose, that moment, if you like, uh, in which Our Lady holds the body of the lifeless Christ in her hands when he's been taken down from the cross. It's called la pieta, piety or motherly love, filial union with the mother. It, it has all those ideas of tenderness, of love, of compassion in that word pieta. And, and we could spend time in our own prayer, in our own time, just contemplating the pieta, what that means. What's it like for Our Lady to hold the now dead and crucified body of Jesus in her arms? Surely she would remember perhaps also all those other times when she has held the, the living body of Jesus in her arms. Maybe especially in Bethlehem after, his, after her birth when she, she held the Lord Jesus in her arms and uh, wrapped him in swaddling cloths. Our Lady of Sorrows is indeed, you know, profoundly stricken. She's grieving. Uh, she's utterly sad, you might say. But at the same time, in her heart, there is hope and there is joy. Because Our Lady holds to her faith in the triumph of the cross. Our Lady keeps her faith, even in those darkest of moments. That's why, I guess, today um, within the church we have that lovely tradition of Saturdays being devoted to Our Lady because on Holy Saturday, on that most quiet and dark day between Good Friday and the, the brightness of the resurrection on Easter Sunday, on that dark and quiet uh, Holy Saturday, Our Lady keeps the faith of the church. She waits for the resurrection. She knows that the cross is not the end but the beginning. And we can ask Our Lady as well to help us also to, to keep that faith, to keep that hope uh, in our Lord's ultimate victory. Especially when we don't see a good outcome or we're going through maybe a difficult time or our work is that bit harder for us to do or there's a family problem or, I don't know, a professional problem, an economic difficulty. Holy Mother, pierce me through in my heart. Each wound renew of my Saviour crucified. Help me to go back to Christ. Help me to keep my focus. When the Spanish Civil War ended, um, St. Maria went back into Madrid as soon as he could in order to begin again the apostolic work of Opus Dei, picking up the pieces after a terrible, terrible war, a war that brought thousands of martyrs, literally, many of them friends of his, um, and he was quite possibly the first priest to re-enter Madrid after it had been freed. Um, and when he arrived in Madrid that day, um, people crowded around him. And as was customary um, in those times, they kissed the hands of the priest. That was a way of greeting priests, of showing respect for, for the priesthood. But apparently he uh, quickly whipped out his crucifix from his pocket and encouraged people instead to kiss our Lord on the cross. 
in the midst of you know that terrible moment of history after the church had been damaged so much and people had suffered so much and so much blood had been spilled saint Jose maria draws the attention of the people to the one victim the one saving victim who is our lord and in drawing their attention to the cross he's ultimately drawing their attention also to our lord's compassion to our lord's triumph to our lord's resurrection let us also seek to be people who bring others to that compassion of Christ or, or bring that compassion of Christ to others, to try and love others with the heart of Jesus, to try and look upon others with the eyes of Jesus. We might finish with that prayer of St. Teresa of Avila and apply it to ourselves. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yeah, even though we're poor and precarious and weak and we feel at times that we can't do very much, through our ordinary lives, through our work, through our efforts and above all through our prayer, we can be, for others, the consolation of God, the compassion of God. And somehow, even in our human weakness, our Lord's cross can triumph. Holy Mother, pierce me through. In my heart, each wound renew of my Saviour crucified. I give you thanks, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations you have communicated to me in this time of prayer. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.